1 Samuel 9. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphia, the son of a Benjamite, a mighty man of valour. He had a son whose name was Saul, an impressive young man, and there was not among the children of Israel a more handsome person than he. From his shoulders and upward he was taller than any of the people. The donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. Kish said to Saul his son, Take one of the servants with you, arise and go look for the donkeys. He passed through the hill country of Ephraim, passed through the land of Shalisha, but they didn't find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, but they weren't there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they didn't find them. When they had come to the land of Zaph, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Let's return, lest my father stop caring about the donkeys and be anxious about us. The servant said to him, Behold now, there is a man of God in this city, and he is a man who is held in honour. All that he says surely happens. Now let's go there. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. Then Saul said to his servant, But behold, if we go, what should we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our sacks, and there is not a present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have in my hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver. I will give to that man of God to tell us our way. In earlier times in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he said, Come, let's go to the seer. For he who is called a prophet was before called a seer. Then Saul said to the servant, Well said, come, let's go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. As they went up the ascent to the city, they found young maidens going out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? They answered them and said, He is. Behold, he is before you. Hurry now, for he has come today into the city, for the people have a sacrifice today in the high place. As soon as you have come into the city, you will immediately find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes because he blesses the sacrifice. Afterwards, those who are invited to eat. Now therefore go up, for at this time you will find him. They went up to the city. As they came within the city, behold, Samuel came out toward them to go up to the high place. Now Yahweh had revealed to Samuel a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man out of the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He will save my people out of the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people, because their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, Yahweh said to him, Behold, the man of whom I spoke to you, he will have authority over my people. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and said, Please tell me where the seer's house is. Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you are to eat with me today. In the morning I will let you go, and I will tell you all that is in your heart. As for your donkeys who were lost three days ago, don't set your mind on them, for they have been found. For whom does all Israel desire? Is it not you and all your father's house? Saul answered, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak to me like this? Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the guest room and made them sit in the best place among those who were invited, who were about 30 persons. 
Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said to you, set it aside. The cook took up the thigh, and that which was on it, and set it before Saul. Samuel said, Behold, that which has been reserved, set it before yourself and eat, because it has been kept for you for the appointed time. For I said, I have invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. When they had come down from the high place into the city, he talked with Saul on the housetop. They rose early, and about daybreak, Samuel called to Saul on the housetop, saying, Get up, that I may send you away. Saul arose, and they both went outside, he and Samuel together. As they were going down at the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. He went ahead, and Samuel said, But stand still first, that I may cause you to hear God's message. And we'll find out in the next chapter what he's going to say. But of course, he's going to anoint Saul king. Now, Saul looks the part. <laughs> it said there, did you notice that he was the most handsome man in Israel? So you imagine the most handsome person you have seen, someone that gets your eye. This is the type of person that they cast in movies. So you think of Lord of the Rings and you've got Aragorn, you know, this, this fellow with long hair and you know, muscular and a sword. And So someone like Aragorn may have been perfect for a movie king, but whether, they're, whether he's suitable for a real king or not, we wouldn't know. Um, Saul is, uh, you know, if they were casting for a king, he'd be the one to get picked. And that's what's going on here. They're effectively casting for a king. The people want a king, so God gives them the king they want. So it's someone that looks the part, but as we're gonna find out going through the book of Samuel, he's not really king-like material. And there's even a clue right here. He's going to become the shepherd of Israel, but he's wandering around looking for missing animals, donkeys, and he can't even find them. So it starts out with him failing in a job he's got to do, um, but the Lord's calling him to look after a much greater responsibility when he wasn't even successful in the little job that he'd just been given. But anyway, he's looking for the missing donkeys, and ironically, he ends up in Ramah, Samuel's hometown, Samuel's going up to the high place, high place to sacrifice, but Samuel knows he's coming and he knows he's the one to anoint as king. In this chapter, um, they want to go home, but his servant, Saul's servant, says, let's consult the seer. In other words, the prophet. He said, look, I've got a quarter of a shekel of silver, which was not a lot of money. Now, in, um, in America, you, there's a thing called a quarter dollar or a quarter. If you're American and you're listening to me today, you, you will have handled hundreds and thousands of quarters in your lifetime. I've been to America and you know there's machines. Take the kids down to Chuck E. G's or different places, you can put a quarter in. So you know, in, modern, in the modern world we live in, you've got a currency like a dollar, but then we break that down into quarters. And, uh, but in the ancient times, they didn't have these lower denominations like in America, you know, it's nickels, dimes, pennies, and quarters. In Australia, we've got 50 cent coins, 20 cent coins, you know, we break down into these smaller amounts. What they did was actually get the shekel and smash it into four pieces. So a quarter of a shekel was literally a quarter of a shekel. So not like the American quarter at all. And a shekel was, a shekel was like, a, you know, well, in Roman times, a shekel might have been like a day's wages. So here we've got a quarter of a shekel if a shekel was worth a day's wages then, then it's worth like, you know, $20 or something. So it's probably not like a super huge amount of money 
to pay to the seer, but yet it's, it's something. In the end, they don't even pay it to the seer. But they go to see him, but the seer is actually looking for them, and that's all very, very interesting. Samuel is going to the high place at Rama to sacrifice to God. Now, this is a really, really interesting question right here about high places, because you'll remember that way back in the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord said they were only to worship God at the place. And of course, the place was where the tabernacle was set up, Shiloh. So, you know, they were all told that three times a year they had to go to the place. And, and then later in the Bible, God's so angry that people are going to all these high places. Remember, this is a high place that Samuel's going up to here. It's not the place. And so later on in the Bible, God's angry and he sends prophets to people saying, why are you going to the high places? You know, you're worshipping under every tree and, and, and you know, I've chosen Jerusalem and all, all the things that the prophets say. So it's like before Samuel, the Lord's saying, you've got to go to the place. And after Samuel, the Lord's so angry that they weren't going to the place, which was Jerusalem. But why does Samuel get away with it? Well, it's not only Samuel that gets away with it, David gets away with it, and Solomon gets away with it too, and so does Saul. All of these men get away with it because this is the one little patch in Israel where there's no tabernacle and no temple. So remember, the, uh, the tabernacle was destroyed at Shiloh. Shiloh was destroyed by the Philistines. It was completely flattened. And Psalm 78 is the psalm let me see if I can dig it out for you and read to you what it says in Psalm 78 about Shiloh. And um, sorry, sometimes as I'm going through the Bible chapters, I have thoughts in my mind. And I remembered I was supposed to have shared this with you a, um, a few chapters ago. But in Psalm 78, this is what it says in verse 59. Let's go back to 58. Talking about Israel. It says, they angered him with their high places. Interesting, hey, because Samuel's actually at a high place right now. They angered him with their high places. They aroused his jealousy with their idols. And when God heard them, he was furious and he rejected Israel completely. He abandoned the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent that he had set up among humans. He sent the ark of his might into captivity, the splendor of his hands into the hands of the enemy, he gave his people over to the sword and he was furious with their inheritance. Fire consumed the young men and their young women had no wedding songs and the priests were put to the sword and the widows could not weep. So right there in Psalm 78 verses 59 on, it's talking about Shiloh was just destroyed. So up to that point, you know, they were supposed to worship at Shiloh, the, the place, but they were worshiping in all these high places. They were worshiping Baals and Ashtoreths but God was annoyed, and so he, he punished them, and the ark was sent into the land of the Philistines. But now, there's no place to worship. So Samuel's actually set himself up a place, and it's called here a high place. It's a high place at Ramah, and there were a couple of them. There was one at Gilgal, and Gilgal is the one where Solomon goes and offers a thousand sacrifices to God. When I was a younger Christian, I used to always think, why did God let them get away with it? But later on in the Bible, he was so cranky. Well, the reason he let, seems to let Samuel and David and Solomon and even Saul get away with it is because there's just this little period of Israel history where there's no tabernacle and no temple. And these are men that just have their hearts set on the Lord. They're not worshipping other gods. They're not worshipping the Baals or 
they're worshiping the Lord, but there's no place to go. So they go to these certain set places, and one is here at Rama, and another at Gilgal. Gilgal was the most important one. And in these places where they cry out to the Lord, the Lord hears their prayers. And so that's why it seems to have been okay right here. And you know what? The truth is that any of us can cry out to the Lord in sincerity from any place. And Jesus did say to the woman, to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he said, there was, A time is coming when you will not you'll worship the Lord neither on this mountain or on that mountain, but you'll worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And the, the, the place itself was just a picture of something the Lord was teaching his people. He was trying to get a point through. The place really is a place we come spiritually, where we, we're with him and we belong to him. The place is God's people. It's God's house. It's not, not a physical building in Israel. It's the body of Christ. That's the place. And these are all the things the Lord's trying to explain to us. And bit by bit, we learn them. So Samuel goes up to this high place in Ramah. They sacrifice to the Lord. Saul gets his special portion. Then they go up on the roof of the house and it's not like our houses today. You know, our houses have these like angled roofs because we don't have anything on them. In, in the Northern Hemisphere, they have really angled roofs so that the snow will come off. There's no way you can sit up there and have a good conversation for hours on end. But in the Middle East, they have these flat-roofed buildings and, and other places too, like Greece. And you can go up there and it's like a veranda. And you can sit up there and hear Samuel and Saul, they talk for hours. And we don't even know what they talked about, but I bet that for Saul, that would have been one of the most fascinating moments of his life. And um, there's one more point I want to make, and it's in here. It's where the Lord is talking to Samuel, Samuel and the Lord says to Samuel, um, and he says to Samuel that appoint Saul, he's saying that, that they haven't rejected you, they've rejected me, but he says, appoint Saul to be king over my people. He says to Samuel that this is the one who's going to have authority over my people. So the Lord is the one directing Samuel, but in the Lord's mind, it's really, really clear that these are his people. So the Lord's still their king, even though there's now an earthly king to rule them. The Lord's actually still the king. And... Um, this is something that's really, really important for us to keep in mind. You know, if you're a pastor of a church, it's very easy to think that the people in your church are your people. No, from God's perspective, they're his people and you're just looking after them and you have to keep that in mind. At the same time, the, the people of God that are in someone else's church, they're his people too. And you need to be prayerful and considering and loving towards them as well. But sometimes what happens is pastors fall into a trap of thinking that the people in your church are your people and you start being jealous. You don't allow them to mix with other parts of the body of Christ. You can easily slip into being controlling. Lots of things can start to happen that displease the Lord. And Saul, as he becomes king and he starts to get a sense of the authority he has, he falls into this trap where he forgets that they are the Lord's people. He starts treating them like his own. It's a terrible, terrible mistake to make. Heavenly Father, I ask for your help. Help us to look at the people of God as your people. Lord, whenever we meet a fellow Christian, help us to love them because they're yours. Lord, whenever we meet Christians from other churches, help us to love them with a big heart. Heavenly Father, keep us from the sins of Saul 
And um, Lord, I pray you'd put into our hearts such worship for you, such love for you. Help us, Lord, to always see you as our king. And uh, Lord, I pray that our hearts would always be humble, always be reverent, always be willing. In Jesus' name, amen.